Welcome, everybody, to this Trainwreck Sports Podcast, where we are here to pay the bills, sponsored by Outlet Liquor. It's the playoffs. It's time to lock in. As always, joined by my co-host, Mike Partham, and welcoming our guest, Ryan Sullivan from Cover One at Sports Rock 2. Are you were you Sports Rock One before? I feel like I've asked you this before, or did you just have to have to no, throw I, a number I, there? I, I, I think that's the one that was available. My, the original thoughts of the origin story, I guess, was during COVID, I just started writing. And it was supposed to be a just kind of general Rochester sports blog. And I still lived in Rochester at the time. And like, I think my first article I ever wrote was, I think I think I took the website down, but was a article on the LeBron played a preseason game in uh, Rochester in like 2004. I wrote about that. There's some Syracuse basketball posts I wrote. So it was really sweet, Western New York thing and then it kind of just evolved into a bills thing um but yeah but sports rock one was taken so ended up as uh sports rock two all right well i'm glad that i know the origin now that that was <laughs> that makes me feel a lot better but glad that you're here now with cover one sports rock two so we're just going to keep that roll keep that number theme rolling we got three of us here mike how are you tonight buddy uh i'm hanging in there i mean bills in the playoffs is always a way to get you in a good mood and especially when you're facing the seventh seed to start it off with. But crazier things have happened, of course, and we'll get into some of the crazier things that could happen. We will get into all of it tonight, but it is a pretty crazy thing that we're sitting here talking on January 11th, 2024, and the Buffalo Bills are the number two seed in the AFC because I don't think any of us would have figured that about six weeks ago. But we're here to celebrate one more victory Thursday, at least. The Bills defeating the Dolphins on Sunday night, winning the AFC East. Another four for four. That's what this had is the original four for four AFC East. We're back at it. Four straight. And it was the the biggest takeaway from this game. And I'll start with you, Ryan, and then go to Mike, is I saw a lot of all the all year I've seen a lot of discourse. I've had a lot of discourse with friends, family about the Josh Allen experience. And this game was a microcosm of the season in a way, but also kind of a microcosm of the Josh Allen experience. He struggled in the first half with turn with the, some of the interceptions, had a turnover in the second half as well, but ends up make it, playing hero ball late in the game, making some game-saving plays, especially the third and 13 run and sealing the victory for the Bills. Are you a fan of the Josh Allen experience at this point, Ryan? Like, are you, are you like, obviously we take the good, but how much do you get frustrated by the bad? And do you think that it's like something that could hind- can continue to hinder them as we look to, you know, playoff games and playoff matchups coming up soon? I mean, if you ask my, ask my cardiologist, they'll probably tell you it's a bad thing, <laughs> but I, I think it truly is. And people say it all the time. You, the high is so high. You take the lows for what it is. And, it really was the most Josh Allen game ever. Those two interceptions were two of the most, but what two of the most boneheaded interceptions you can see, you, you know, you'll see out of Josh Allen. The first one was almost on par. I don't know if it was the, the exact same play, but pretty similar to that Eagles game where Josh Allen seemingly just threw the wrong route. It looks like the cornerback had outside leverage. Gabe went in, he threw out. And then I like the thing. The thing I liked about the second pick was you have Chris Collinsworth telling you that, you know, oh, it ended up in plus yards. It's like, sure, that's true. But if he just threw to Dalton Kincaid in the flat, which was his first read, none of that happens in the first place. So, but ultimately you have a moment that goes on the Josh Allen highlight tape. You think of all these moments when you think about Josh Allen hurtling over the Chiefs player, hurtling over the, hurtling over uh, Vikings. Anthony Barr. 
Hardly and Anthony Barr running through the Patriots in that one game in 2020. And that third and 13 run is going to be one of those plays that now gets added to the Josh Allen highlight reel whenever, you know, they roll B-roll of Josh Allen on the sports show. So it's one of those things in the moment you hate it, but it ultimately is worth it in the end because we're sitting here with, with four straight AFC championships and you look at, at the end of that game and you, you look at what those two quarterbacks were. You have Josh who, you know, dug himself out of his own hole with pure will, pure power, and and you have two on the other side who needs to go and do the same thing. And the second that play broke, those plays broke down, he starts throwing hospital balls and and ultimately an interception. So you really see the difference. You know, it was a really good dichotomy. You know, I think the difference between the tiers and quarterbacks, the quarterback who can really go out and I hate this term, but lack of a better term, alpha their way mm-hmm. to wins versus a team, someone, you know, players who play, albeit two has played really, really well in that system is a really good processor but when he needed it just couldn't do the things that josh allen can do what about you mike i'll make it simple as long as the bills win i can live with it <laughs> i mean i think uh your buddy aaron quinn over cover one likes to talk about toxic differential where you make more big plays than you make mistakes or make big mistakes uh as long as uh the toxic differential works in josh allen's favor we can live with it um uh, i think dan orlovsky was trying to make a point uh on his on espn uh the, the other day, uh, the last three seasons, uh, the winning quarterbacks in the Super Bowl have been top three or top four in turnovers, like interceptions and fumbles. Uh, guys like Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, whereas guys who are like the least intercepted are guys like Baker Mayfield and Daniel Jones. And it's like, do we really care at, at some point? Well, I mean, Josh Allen, he, I think he's leaving the he's like second in the NFL, 18 interceptions this year. Last few years, uh, the top intercepted guys have been around 15 or 14. So Allen's a little bit more turnover prone than usually the top quarterbacks in that category are. But as long as he's leading the league in turnovers, he's leading the league in, in uh, not leading the league in turnovers, in touchdowns. He's been leading the league in touchdowns for the last four years, I think maybe individually each of the last few seasons. But so, I mean, as long as he's scoring more points than he's costing us, then we can, as long as we're winning games at the end, then. There's not much to complain about, really. That's where I've fallen in line with the. It's been a. Ro- it's always going to be a roller coaster with Allen, but when he does the amazing things, it it, it evens it out. And like you said, it, it's kind of I, I liken him. It's not a comparison I like to make uh, because of their uh, on court success. But if you liken it to a player in basketball, it's like a it's like a James Harden Russell Westbrook situation where the usage rate for Josh Allen is just so damn high every single year that the stat that you're going to get the turnovers with all the points and all the assists and all the rebounds. And those guys haven't turned out really playoff success on their own. So I don't like making that comparison, but I think it's a different sport, different thing, whatever else is a lot more that goes into winning a football game than the impact those guys have on a basketball game, especially late in games. But that's what I liken it to when you have a guy who, has the usage rate and has the ball in his hands and is asked to do as much as Josh Allen does, you're going to get those types of toxic plays that go against your team. Now, can he make smarter decisions? Does he need to, does he need to get more on page with Gabe Davis? You're seeing mistakes in week 18 that we've seen all year. Yes. Does he need to just take the shot in the, in the, in the flat to Dalton Kincaid for an easy first down rather than rolling out to his right and then heaving it to the end zone? Yes. But like you guys are saying, you you take that trade off all the time. Now on that second 
uh, interception. There, there was a lot of iffy calls in this game that were missed, uh, I think. And you don't want to blame the refs or anything else. But this is the one that I haven't seen talked about enough. Is that Stefan Diggs was running a route out of the backfield. And Andrew Van Ginkle just grabbed a hold of him and shoved him into the offensive line. And I really believe that that was what the play was designed to do. Was just get it to Diggs quick over the middle three yards and see you later. They didn't call anything on that. It is what it is. It's 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 still a mistake by Allen. He still should have made a better decision. But there were some things in here. The early the the hit on Knox earlier before that uh, mistake in the red zone before the first turnover that should have definitely been. Well, before uh, the first pick, before the first pick, yeah. I think that, that I think that was probably the worst one. Was Dalton Kincaid has had his arms restricted from yeah. making the catch and probably should have been a pass interference. Yeah, and and the Ty Johnson, and the, it's a mistake at the end of the half to throw it short of the end zone by Josh Allen to Ty Johnson, but Ty Johnson leaves the game with a concussion because he gets hit helmet to helmet, and there's no call on that play either. So there was a there's a couple instances where I'm like, man, like I don't want to get complain about the refs or act that they should be bailed out by it, but there were some glaring mistakes well, that happened that impacted those plays. With this directly. crew, we knew going in that we, they we had a higher rate of calling penalties against the <laughs> visiting team. So we kind of knew did. what we were getting into at that yeah. point. And, and, and you make a good point about the uh, interception rate as opposed to, you know, yeah. uh, pure interceptions. Cause if Josh Allen's throwing the ball at a much higher rate than most other quarterbacks and he's getting intercepted at a less rate than per usual, that's that's really what makes the difference. If you throw the ball more, you got more likely a chance to get intercepted. And if Josh Allen's not th- getting intercepted at the same rate as uh, worse quarterbacks are, then it, it's it's one of those more advanced advanced stats or metrics you have to look at because it's one of those you know sometimes statistics lie unless you look dig a little deeper. Sure. I think a really I think a really funny encapsulation of it is that I think John McDermott is a really funny encapsulation of it. His interview right at the end of the half. He's pissed at Josh, and I think he had. I, I think he. I like to hear that from him. So often, I think you know, coaches don't love to give answers like that. He was fairly clearly pissed. I liked to hear it. I thought it was funny. And then you listen to Sales' interview with him after the game, and he's praising him, and and like I, I'm very uns- in a very very unscripted moment, a very spontaneous moment. And I think that's a very big encapsulation of everything Josh is. At the half, he he wanted to bash Josh's brains in. I'm sure at the end, he's. <laughs> He's given a big old kiss on the forehead for everything he's done for him. So I thought that I think that's a really it was a really funny transition. It's fair to criticize Josh for throwing it short of the end zone. Although I don't know if anybody's looked at the all twenty two. Were there was there anybody in the end zone at that point? I don't think so. Yeah, no. and uh, also I, I I would have preferred Sean to take a little bit of ownership and said, well, I could have saved him a timeout for that situation instead of having to force him to throw the end zone. But uh, yeah, yep, yep. It, it's a. Uh... It is the perfect encapsulation. It is like that's the experience, but I think we're all on board. We're going to take it to talk a little bit more about this uh, about this win last week. Are you guys? Do you feel better about where where the offense is, where the team is at? Do you give, you know, do you do you feel just a uh, overall going into that game? I think Bills fans felt very confident about the play of the team. How do you feel coming out of it, offensively, defensively, wherever you want to take it, Ryan? So if if this was a situation where they were rolling and they were rolling and they were rolling. And then all of a sudden they were sputtering out here. I'd be a little worried, but they've been kind of playing this playoff football, surviving advanced football for five straight weeks. Now going back to the Kansas city game, Cowboys game was different, but the chargers game the next week, the Patriots game the next week. And yeah, those were lesser teams, but then they go up against the dolphins who 
would have been the two seed if they win this game and they do what they need to do. They hang on and survive. And I think Sean McDermott's really coaching some of the best football in his career right now. You look at the Dolphins, you know, I think we've lost what the narrative or forgotten what the narrative on this Dolphins offense was to start the first half of the year. This was an offense that was in the same conversation for a good chunk of this year as the greatest show on turf Rams, as the 2018 Patriots, as the 2016 Falcons. This was one of the, through the first half of the year, through really until they played Buffalo the first time, was one of the greatest offenses we've ever seen in the NFL, period, by a lot of metrics. The second half of this football game, their drives were three plays, three plays, three plays, three plays, four plays. They ran 16 offensive plays and a half, the Miami Dolphins offense. And you can say, well, they didn't have Jalen Waddle. They put up 30-plus points without Jalen Waddle on the Jets, which is a good defense. They So I think that in itself is going to give them a chance. And you know, I, I think that's one of their biggest things going in. Is Sean, we talk about Josh Allen being on a heater. Sean McDermott, say what you want about him. I know we might disagree on his future here. He's coaching the best football of his career right now, period. And I and I think that's a really, really big advantage going into the playoffs. I, I think so too. I think he's been he's been incredible. It was uh, wild to see this 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 Dolphins offense that's been so effective all year. And even especially after early on, like the runs, I thought it was just gonna be okay, man. The Bills are going to get 180 yards rushing against them. Devin Achain's going to be AFC player of the week, and they're going to win this game by that. And then, it I mean, either it was from the looks the Bills were giving or Mike McDaniel just going away from the from the run game a little bit. But the Bills were able to take that away and stop those uh, and, and really affect Tua and his rhythm when they tried to go to more pass-happy offense in the second half, which was a little surprising, but – it could have been the looks they were giving and, and McDermott kind of Jedi mind tricking McDaniel into going away from the run and, and getting him to go into the pass more. What do you think, Mike? How did you feel about the Bills defense? Uh, would you give it more credit to, to McDermott or do you take more stock in what the Dolphins injury situation looked like with no Mostert, no Waddle and some of the injuries they had along the line? Well, overall, I'm feeling fairly confident going into the playoffs, not more so than previously, I guess. Um, the Bills have been able to contain uh, the Cowboys and the Dolphins, a couple of the top offenses in this league, and they're making game-saving drives at the end of the games as opposed to the middle of the season when they weren't doing that against much lesser teams than they're playing right now. Um, as far as whether I give credit to the defense or the injuries, I mean, the Dolphins still had Tyreek Hill and Jane, Jalen Wild. They could have unleashed them at any time. Uh, this was a team that was less than uh, 200 yards, I believe, from breaking the team's offensive record. Uh from 1984, from the Marine, from the Marino days, and uh, after 210 yards in the first half, they were held to 57 total yards in the second half, and seven of those were from the rushing game. Um, I believe they adjusted by bringing another defender into the box to combat the rushing game, and that's what uh, helped them get Miami out of their uh, rushing attack when they were trying to misdirect the the defense by faking one way and tossing to the other. Uh, so even with, and especially with the injuries to a Russell Douglas and a couple other guys, the fact that they were able to contain the Miami offense, the Miami passing offense, and just held them to three plays, four plays, three plays, four plays, uh, and, and a virtual and pretty much a shutout in the second half. Uh, that's really what's in, it's impressing me. And, uh, 
I mean, the Dolphins, they, they're one in five against playoff teams. They have a 91 negative point differential against those teams. So maybe the Dolphins are a paper tiger to begin with injuries or not. But uh, still, uh, what they've been able to do against offensively impressive teams with a somewhat depleted uh, defense and injuries mounting a little bit here and there, I think you, had, you do have to give Sean McDermott credit for that. Yeah, I, I think it's been I think it's been a masterful job of rallying that side of the ball with the injuries that they've had and just plugging guys in and getting them to play good, great in their roles. I think we've had guys that, you know, played better than we all expected them to. Terrell Bernard, obviously the first one that comes to mind, who's been great all year long, but even the other linebackers, Dotson having a great season for his standards. Um, having Dotson just not being, Dotson not being a liability. Yeah. Is <laughs> the most impressive thing Sean McDermott's ever done. More than finding Trey White, more than finding Matt Milano, more than turning making Terrell Dotson not a liable active liability on defense, I think is his most impressive job as a coach today. If Terrell Dotson could run just like just a little bit faster, he'd be one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Like that's one of the one of the things I noticed with him is his like he's just chasing guys sometimes when he on those angles. But if he just had that little bit of speed, he'd be a dominant defensive player. But it is, it's crazy because it's not I was terrified of seeing him in game action earlier in this year. And now I just I feel okay with him out there. The way the corners, like Dane Jackson, who is just perpetually just stepping in for people and stepping up, like coming into that game when Douglas comes out, making some big pass breakups, making some big plays. It was it was great to see. And so, guys, before we move on from this game, Mike, four straight AFC titles. Like I, there's that is the the craziest. Like if you would have told me, even at the beginning of that that run in or the beginning of the first season. And they won the first title. I mean, I was popping champagne in my house and that Broncos game and everything else. I never would have imagined that three years later we'd be talking about them continuing to win the AFCs over and over and over again. I thought it would be more competitive. Just wouldn't have imagined this kind of success. Just wanted to take a second to appreciate that. Did you think we'd be here within the Josh Allen era with this kind of dominance? Given their competition so far, yeah, you know what? I thought so. I mean, <laughs> obviously the Dolphins stepped up their offensive game a little bit, uh, but as long as Josh Allen is dominating them every other game, is he's two passes short of being undefeated against the Dolphins, essentially. So, yeah, I kind of expected to be here as far as division-wise. Uh, midseason struggles seem to be an annual occurrence for the Bills and then a nice run of five, six, seven games till the end. Uh I hope we don't have to make this an annual occurrence. I hope we can be a lot better in midseason form and we don't have to start counting this team out of the playoffs before, you know, December gets here. But uh, yeah, as to your hat, I mean, that takes me back to 88 to 92. Four straight division titles was a nice time to grow up in and a nice time to become a Bills fan. Uh, and it's been, that's the most division titles that the Bills have had a run on. I think we got uh, we had another one in '93 and another one in '95, so that was like uh, six and eight years, if I have my math right. But uh, to have that kind of dominance again, especially in the wake of uh, the Patriots' run of 20 years, in which they only like uh, had two years where they didn't win a division title from uh, 2001 to 20, 2019. Uh, if it wasn't for a couple of tiebreakers in 2002 and 2008, they might have had a run of nine, what 18, 19 straight division titles. So I don't know that we can go on that kind of run for that long, but uh, give me another division title. Let's break the record of uh, straight division titles by the Bills. 
and then we can really say that this has been a pretty good run of dominance. But I'd like to get to a Super Bowl here and there, you know, because that's what we also did back when we first won four division titles back in the 90s. Yeah, I would trade the division titles for a Super Bowl run this year. I don't know about you, Ryan. Okay, here, here's a trivia question. Oh, NFC East. When was how many seasons ago was the last back to back champion? Oh, I know Ooh. there's been, I know they're, I remember seeing the stat about how many different times they've had this. When back to back, though, I'm guessing we have to go back to the 90s. It's been 19 seasons. The last back to back, the last back to back NFC East champion was the 2001 to 2004 Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, yeah. That run of uh, AFC's championships okay. and Andy, Andy Reid went Andy on. Reed. So, point being that, I don't think we appreciate consistent winning enough. The Patriots mm -hmm. really have done a good job, I think, of jading what that looks like. It's hard to win Super Bowls. It takes luck to win Super Bowls. And on a day that Bill's leaving, it's really impressive that he was able to do the things he did. Look at, you know, the Chiefs could have won, lost the division this year easily. You know, they just happened to play in the division with the Broncos and the Chiefs, but they didn't look great this year at times. I mean, the Bills didn't look great at times, but it, it's hard to win. The Bills had the second most wins in the entire NFL over the last four years. And yes, ultimately, if we don't get a Super Bowl at the end of all this, it's gonna people are gonna look at it the same way we look at the '90s. But it, I urge people, and I argue about people all the time on Twitter about this, and it's you need to enjoy it. And you know, it's really corny, but I think enjoy it while it's here because, and it's not even me being, oh, you should be happy because we had the drought. No, just enjoy it because winning's fun. It's hard to do, and. Four straight division titles. You know, I had a lot of fun going through Dolphins Twitter, not interacting, <laughs> just looking through Dolphins Twitter, cursing the Bills for not being able to beat the Bills. They've been the Bills once since Obama was in office, or maybe mm -hmm. twice. It's been wild. It's just over that team in general. It, it, it's wild. So it's something that I think we really need to take a second and enjoy, even as everyone obviously wants the Super Bowl. It's like looking in the mirror, right? From all, from all those last 20 years against the Patriots where we yeah. could count on one hand how many times we beat the Patriots and we laud and celebrate those games, 31 nothing and 34-31. And, you know, Fred Jackson goes down at the one and allows us to kill the clock and we finally break the streak of 15 game losses against the Patriots and Brady and all that. Uh, now to be the team that's pretty much dominating yeah. another team that's trying to knock on the door of greatness and we keep turning them away, it's a good feeling. Yeah, it was we a might good well feeling. Enjoy it. It's Sunday awesome. night was a good feeling. It, it was it was a great time. But now we're moving on. We're, that was Victory Thursday. But we have bigger things at hand. We have a wild card, super wild card. Sorry, gotta gotta make sure we get the branding right. Super wild card weekend matchup with the Pittsburgh Steelers Sunday at one o'clock Eastern. Uh, before we get into the game, are you guys concerned about the weather at all? Are you concerned about the lake effect snow band, the the wind gusts? Supposedly wind gusts uh much like the game a couple years ago monday night football patriots bills where the patriots obviously won 14 to 10. that's actually the last bills game i went to that was somehow that I, oh, you know, no. I know got got some got some tickets for it was like a christmas present birthday present type deal we're like all hyped up to go and then we're tailgating in the car shaking around because it was so windy so hopefully it's not that windy and hopefully it's a little bit warmer but are you guys worried about the conditions at all and how it could affect the bills Let's start with you mike uh, well i actually looked up some of the stats and uh weather uh measurements for that particular game sustained winds of a uh, 25 to 35 miles per hour gusts were up to 50 to 55 miles an hour 
And Josh Allen's performance in that particular game, 15 of 30 for 145 yards and a touchdown. Uh, I didn't see the complete breakdown like first half to second half, but uh, what some people have said that is that uh, the Bills only figured out that Josh Allen could uh, possibly throw in that weather uh, more towards the second half and in the fourth quarter where they uh, supposedly had him passing a little bit more often uh, with limited success, of course. Uh, from what I saw, there were mostly short passes, uh, obviously 15 of 30 means he threw a few incomplete passes. He was like, obviously that's 50%. So, you know, it's hit or miss, even with a cannon of an arm like Josh Allen. Uh, what we have here for this game uh, from the earlier weather reports is predicted sustained winds of 30 miles an hour, which is right in the range of the Bills-Pats game, and gusts over 40 miles an hour, which is approaching 50 or 55, which was what in that Bills-Pats game. Um, we have a couple of teams with uh, good running attacks, so I imagine it's going to come down to the head, depending on how brave uh, either coach is to trust their quarterback. And we'll get into, you know, the Steelers quarterbacks and their uh, abilities. But uh, Josh Allen, if anybody's going to be able to pass in this sort of weather, it's going to be Josh, Josh Allen. How are you feeling about it, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, I agree the same way. I think it's a thing, you know, we say both teams have to play in it. And Aaron, you know, Aaron Quinn had a really good, he was, uh, had a really good point today. And I think it was a cover one chat, uh, staff chat. He was saying that it, if you can't, you know, as a referendum on Joe Brady, if you can't figure out how to beat a team that's worse than you in these conditions, you don't deserve to be the OC for Josh Allen. It, it's yes. It, it's an arm thing. You draft, you know, it was a whole thing when he's drafted this whole kind of shtick is he's got a big arm. He should be able to throw through it. Um, I remember from that, that past game too, I think there were some drop passes that didn't go their way as well in that game. So it's, you know, finishing, if the wins are going to be that big, finishing drives is obviously massive because I assume they're not going to wheel out Tyler Bass for too many kicks if that's the case. But it, it's the Bills have a really good offensive line. They should, without, you know, Cam Hayward's a real dude, Keanu Benton's a real dude, but you should get the ground game. I mean, they, they, we've seen them win in all time. I think the nice thing about going into this game is we've seen them win different ways and we've seen them win this way against, against Dallas. So I think this is probably offensively one of the more well-rounded teams they've had going into this point. So ultimately both teams have to play in it. You have the better quarterback on, on multiple fronts between running and passing that it, you should be able, you know, with all, all things else being equal, you should be able to beat this team. That's where that's my biggest thing with it is the this is the best Bills running attack uh, that we've seen with with Josh Allen uh, around him and in that Pats game that was one of the things is that they didn't feel like they could run the ball as effectively it's something that Sean McDermott's wanted to kind of lock in on and and take advantage of and now James Cook was he was I think fourth or third in rushing in the league for the the whole season like we have a dynamic back Allen's legs are going to get used in a playoff game. So I'm not as worried about that. So let's break down the game a little bit. Ryan, you mentioned a couple of the studs on the Steelers defense, but the guy they're missing is the be probably the best defensive end in football. TJ Watt will not be playing this week. He had 19 sacks this year. Are you really like, is there anybody else on this defense you're afraid of? Or is it really just no Watt, no problem? So funny enough, Alex Smith has a higher pass rush win rate than, uh, TJ Watt, I suspect some of that is a usage thing. I assume he's on the field less than mm -hmm. TJ Watt. Uh, Alex Heisman's at the thir 13th best win rate among edge rushers with more than 20% of snaps in the league. Um, Watt is at 18th, but it's it's almost it's almost like an AG Epinesa question. 
is, is he generating these pressures on his own or is he generating these pressures because TJ Watt is getting double teamed? Um, you know, I, I think that's because I think they'll probably going to focus on Highsmith in this game because whoever they roll out on the other side, whether it's Nate Herbig, whether it's Slaughter Milk, whoever it is they roll out on the other side, I don't think they can give too much attention to. So can Alex Highsmith still win at that rate when he doesn't have TJ Watt on the other side is the question. And I think the answer will probably be no, but if he can't, then yeah, there's not a whole lot of juice left on that line. Keanu Benton has been a really good run stuffing back. He's got some sacks in the last couple of games, but Alex, in terms of pass rush, you know, without TJ Watt, it, he's just such a force multiplier that unless one of these guys can step up and produce on their own, it's hard to see them really playing a massive factor in this game. Yeah, I agree. Alex Heisman seems to be like the next man up as far as a, a pass rusher guy. He has seven sacks on the year, also has three pickoffs, two forced fumbles. He's a, as I understand, he's a quick pressure guy. When he gets pressure, he can get there in about 2.45 seconds. That is if uh, you allow him to get there in the first place. Um, but there's no replacing TJ Watt. Uh, this is a guy who's led the NFL in three separate, led the NFL in sacks in three separate seasons. That's the first player ever to do so. And like you said, 19 sacks. He also has ace pass defenses, four forced fumbles. But when the Steelers don't have him, they're one in 10 without him. And uh, they are getting back Mick and Fitzpatrick in the secondary. He's back from a knee injury. But he's also a guy that's been lacking big plays all season. Through 10 games, he has no interceptions, no forced fumbles, only three pass defenses. So uh, I don't see really anybody stepping up on TJ Watt's level. He's that... Uh, He's the high-end talent that uh, your name tree always talks about, you know, making all those big splash plays that bail the Steelers out of uh, bad situations. So it's like, uh, I don't know, it's like having to replace Bruce Smith or uh, yeah. Von Miller's uh, pass rush production, which uh, we're lacking right now, even with Von Miller. <laughs> yeah, I'm in agreement there. And it, it, the Minka thing is he's the guy I'm worried about the most, I think. But like you said, he hasn't been as effective as he has been in years past. So it's not like it's the same Minka Fitzpatrick we're dealing with. The corners, uh, obviously Levi Wallace coming back in, maybe a Levi Wallace revenge moment in this game. But Joey Porter Jr., a rookie, um, he's played great this year. He's, I think he's fifth in the odds for defensive rookie of the year and will have a great career going forward but still a rookie against josh allen in the playoffs like i feel good about them being able to take advantage of this secondary if they have conditions to throw in if something if it's something that they're going to be able to do and i guess that's what we'll have to just wait and see like you said brian they be, they began to trust allen more a couple years ago in that matchup later in the game to throw the ball and so i feel like they won't be afraid to lean on that in this game um, but we'll see how the bills decide to attack it i think that joe brady could go a couple different ways let's switch to the other side of the ball Mason Rudolph's playing quarterback. Is he the guy you want? Is, I think Mason Rudolph's the guy I want to see playing quarterback for the Steelers between Mitchell and his running ability. Maybe, maybe him or Kenny Pickett. I don't know. Is, is this who, if you had a choice, if you could pick out of these three, Ryan, would Mason Rudolph be the guy that you're most excited to see on the field on Sunday? I think it would be Kenny Pickett because okay. I, I think there's a lot of really, I mean, aside, I, I could obviously I couldn't I couldn't find them, but you know all those funny stats that were coming out throughout the year that Dorian Thompson Robertson has more multi touchdown games than than uh, Kenny Pickett. I don't know if that one's true. I'm picking up. Clayton Toon has more multi touchdown games than Ken. He had six. I didn't realize. I always saw like I saw the jokes about Kenny Pickett. I didn't realize how bad he was. He had six touchdowns in twelve games. I don't know how you do that. That was like. 
pretty impressive. <laughs> it, it was a, it, it like he was impressively bad. Um, <laughs> I don't think Mason Rudolph is a massive step up. If you look at what he's done over the last four games, hasn't thrown a pick. I think that's massive, right? How do I, I think if you start turning the ball over to the Bills, it's a really easy way for that game to get out of hand for them. Uh, he's been putting the ball. He has a he has a really good catchable ball rate. He's been throwing the ball, uh, catchable ball ninety four percent of the time. He has the best rating of all the guys who have played for them. Best yards per attempt of all the guys who have played for them. It seems like he's probably, you know, again, he's over a four game sample size. He's been pretty decent. He has a decent mm-hmm. his EPA. I think over that time frame, if you shrink the, you know, if you make it a really small sample size, has a really good EPA per play. I think he's like second or third in the league in that, but his success rate isn't great. So obviously he's not a game changing guy. He's probably the most adult and most safe in that room. Mm-hmm. And someone who's not going to put the Steelers in a spot that's going to put him behind the ball, unless you, unless they can get pressure and force him into some bad decisions. Yeah. In that game last week, 18 of 20, 152 yards and a touchdown. So he was, he was, he was keeping the ball out of harm's way. He was getting completions, but 152 yards on 20 completions is nothing to write home about. And they're playing a backup defense. They weren't really pushing the ball down the field a ton with, against the Ravens. With uh, 70 it on, 70 of it on the uh, Deontay Johnson touchdown. Yes, exactly. So it's it's uh, it's not like he's taking a lot of risks, like you said. He's playing safe. He's probably the safest option, and that's probably why Tomlin is very happy with him because Tomlin knows the rest of this roster is pretty strong, and if the quarterback doesn't hurt them, they have the best chance to win. What do you think, Mike? Are you you excited to see Mason Rudolph? Would you rather see Kenny Pickett? Would you rather see Mitchell Trubisky in the in his potential? I don't know why would he need revenge on the Bills, but you know, I just love that. I love guys coming back in and playing their old teams, but how, how do you feel about this matchup against Mason Rudolph? I agree with Ryan. The, the raw numbers say that Kenny Pickett's a much less threatening quarterback than Mason Rudolph. Lower completion percentage, lower yards per attempt. Uh, Mason Rudolph has yet to throw an interception this year. The one thing I've heard about Mason Rudolph that uh, isn't quite advantageous to the Steelers, he throws a high arcing deep ball. He can throw deep ball, but it's a high arcing one more so than, say, Josh Allen's, you know, bullets down the field. Might not work well in high winds, but. Uh, I imagine they're going to go away from uh, their passing game and rely more on their rushing rushing attack as it is. So uh, all things being equal, I'd rather see Kenny Pickett out there. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement. But we will most likely be Mason Rudolph, uh, and we'll see what happens in that game. But I, I really wish it was Kenny Pickett. But I don't think they'd be in this spot with Kenny Pickett, honestly. I don't like, – like you said, six touchdowns in 12 games is – that's – that's pretty bad. Like, I don't even know how you last 12 games with those kind of stats. Like, it's crazy. But somehow, through all that, the Steelers ended up 10-7. and seven. They finished the season strong. I think they were 7-7, seven, seven, won their last three games. Um, and it just Mike Tomlin just continues to, to pull his bullshit off. Like, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy to see. But they do have some good skills players, Mike. Who is the Steelers skill player that you're most uh, worried about and who you think will have the biggest impact uh, Sunday against this Bills defense? Well, with what we're expecting, I expect uh, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren to be a good one-two punch for them. They're combined over uh, 1,700 rushing yards on the season. Uh, Their new offensive coordinator was formerly their running backs coach. And uh, one thing I've noticed that uh, or people have been saying that they've been doing is they've been getting their tackles to block to the second level of the defensive in recent weeks. And that's been uh, key to uh, getting the rushing attack going. So... uh, knowing what their offensive coordinator used to be and what this game is probably going to allow them to do. 
uh, I would say Harris and Warren are going to be their key skill players, and the Bills are going to have to key on stopping the run. What do you think, Ryan? I think, and I know we're talking about conditions, we're talking about going into the run game, we're talking about, but if this game is close and it's at a, you know, it's in a spot where quarterbacks got to make plays, I think George Pickens probably the most talented guy on that Steelers offense. Mm-hmm. And you, you think about, and this is more of a narrative thing, but you think about all these games the Bills have lost, all these heartbreaking games, regular season or or postseason games. It's it's these freak receivers make these highlight catches that get played at the ESPYs and get played in the next year, and you see you never stop seeing for forever. And George Pickens is a guy whose whole thing is making monster catches. And I can see in a world where the Bills lose this game, it's George Pickens makes fingertip catch in the end zone over Russell Douglas for a touchdown. You know what I mean? Like he's that, you know, he's that talented. He's been, you know, he, he's been, they've been feeding, it seems like they've been feeding the ball more since he's went on one of those um, Instagram deleting tirades. But, <laughs> but, you know, I think he's the most talented guy on that side of the ball in, and, you know, in close games, your best players make plays, and he's he's their best player. Ryan, I don't exactly recall free catches happening in the playoffs more so. I recall the Hail Marys and the Justin Hail Marys, yeah. the regular season more so. I don't know that they necessarily happen in the playoffs, but of course that can happen at any time. Yeah, maybe not the playoffs, but I feel like every time the Bills lose, it feels like there's some sort of – it feels like every receiver has their best catch of their life against the Bills. Yes. And it, it – if George Pickens is one of those kind of guys. Yeah, he is. He's a freak. He can make he can make spectacular plays out of nothing. So definitely, definitely looking out for him. I definitely am worried. I've been scared of Jalen Warren since that preseason. Once I saw that speed, I was like, oh man, the Steelers are for real. Like they got this guy, Jalen Warren, who can do that. So I'm definitely interested to see how the Bills run defense plays against the Steelers, just because we they've been solid this year, but we've seen games where the Bills run defense is leaky over the McDermott tenure. And this feels like a perfect opportunity. I'm sure Tomlin is preaching all week, smash mouth football. We need it. We're going to, you know, take advantage of that, try to win this game in the trenches. So we'll see how they defend it, but let's get into it. Let's get into just nailing it down to our our biggest advantages for the Steelers and the Bills going into this game. I'll start with you, Ryan. We're going to start with the Steelers this time so we can finish positive on the Bills with their biggest advantage. What do you think the biggest advantage is for the Steelers going into this game? Offensively, defensively, special teams, Mike Tomlin, Buffalo Riverworks, party galore snow what do you think the biggest advantage i think you you took you took my answer mike mike tomlin i I think you know they got good players on their team but ultimately you know i i think you know mike tomlin's i think a lot like Belichick. you kind of have to separate him from his hiring decisions and him and his actual coaching hasn't made a lot of great hiring decisions in game i still think has the ability to get the most out of his players more than any other coach in the league right now. And there's a reason why, despite all the numbers, despite all the analytics, this team won 10 games. That's, you know, that's an, it's impressive. It's impressive that they got into this spot with the talent that they had, with the quarterback that they had. If there's anyone, you know, who can take this game, drag it down into the muck, and make you play a 13-6, a 20-17 you know, an ugly, low, you know, low-scoring bar fight, that's Mike Tomlin. And he's played in a lot of big situations. He's played a lot of – he's coached a lot of playoff football. And I think he's the best thing they got going over there going into this game. What about you, Mike? Uh, we've already discussed it, the weather. I mean, it's the great equalizer as far for, as far as uh, good teams playing uh, mid-to-average teams. Uh, I, 
we, I don't, we don't know how well, how severe it's going to be and whether the, it will be able to neutralize Josh Allen's passing ability or whether it'll scare off a, a Joe Brady from attempting to have Josh Allen throw it farther down the field. If the Steelers, if there is enough of a wind gust that uh, the Bills try to rely on their running game as much as the, I think the Steelers are going to run their running game, then it's going to create uh, basically an all things equal situation. It's not unlike, uh, I'm going to show my level of geekdom here. It's not unlike that scene in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, where both ships are going into the nebula and they can't see each other and they're just... <laughs> running around trying to fire at each other it doesn't matter which ship is at, at a better advantage you know the odds are going to be even in that regard so yeah if uh if josh allen can find a way to get his passing game going despite the gusts despite the sustained wins then the bills should still have the advantage but uh if the steelers can rely on uh josh being either scared of or unable to compensate for the weather then they can get into a run v run game, and that's going to be their best chance to win. Yeah, well, you guys touched on both of mine. That my picks there it was going to be Tomlin. I just think Mike Tomlin's one of the best coaches in the league, and he can he can make things happen <laughs> in these types of situations. And the weather, who know, like because just the unknown of it. And I think it's the unknown for the coach, this offensive coaching staff going into the game too. Like we're not going to really know until one o'clock at kickoff what those conditions are going to be like in Orchard Park. And so maybe game maybe. Maybe coaches psych themselves out and switch up the game plan late, or they stick with it and they shouldn't stick with the game plan that they had gone with all week. So it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of adjust to the weather. Mike, what's the biggest advantage for the Buffalo Bills on Sunday? Mm. From what I understand, because uh, Pittsburgh has had multiple injuries to their defensive backs and linebackers, especially in the second half of the season, uh, Pittsburgh has had tr- trouble covering uh, tight ends. So uh, getting Dalton Kincaid and uh, Dawson Knox implemented, uh, obviously we just discussed – depending on how bad the winds are going to be, it might limit the passing game. But if you can get uh, Dalton Kincaid, uh, Dawson Knox in uh, short over the middle throws, then uh, you can really seemingly cut apart the uh, Steelers uh, middle of the field in their uh, second levels of defense. I love that. And Kincaid, awesome game coming through uh, in a big way last week in that AFC East uh, title game against the Dolphins. What about you, Ryan? What's your biggest advantage for the Bills? I think outside of 17, I think it's the pass rush. I think yeah. the, the Bills have the third best sack rate. The Steelers have allowed the 19th uh, mo- our 19th fewest pressures. Bills have the 10th most pressure, our 10th best pressure rate in the league. Um, and I think that's a spot where they can really take advantage in this game of a quarterback who isn't all that great, who's going to be playing in conditions when they do drop back. And with the way the secondary has been playing, if they can confuse them just a little bit, and force him off his spot. I, I, or and force him in the situation. I think the pass rush really has the potential to be the uh, game changer in this game. I love that uh, the pass rush. Uh, the pass rush. If you had to, if we took it out, went big picture, and if the Bills were going to go on a Super Bowl run, what would be the key to them getting there? I think it's that pass rush and how good they've been all year long, um, and the, their their way to take over games late in this game. My biggest advantage is. The I think the weather is also an advantage for me because the, Josh Allen has to play in that weather, but Mason Rudolph's got to play in that weather. Like you said, they both teams got to play in it. And we look at it from a couple years ago. Mac Jones threw the ball three times. All the Bills really had to do was stop the run. They let up one big run, really broke broke that game, and really was one won that game was a long Damian Harris touchdown run. As long as the Bills can with uh, with Stain 
or uh, withstand some explosives in the run game from Warren and Najee's not a really explosive runner and kind of keep them in check. I don't think Mason Rudolph's going to be able to play if the, if the conditions are tough. So I think that the weather will play a factor in this game. And I think it will affect Mason Rudolph way more than it's going to affect Josh Allen. So if you can contain that run game and that run defense can stay stout, like they were in the second half last week against the dolphins feel pretty good about the bills chances. This over under, went opened at 42 and a half it is down to 35 and a half right now that is like there were some backup quarterbacks that were getting 35 and a half uh last week so they're not expecting a lot of points in this game so i think that the quarterback who makes the most mistakes uh and i think that nisa rudolph while he's played clean football so far this bill's defense has been ball hawks all year long and as as have created a lot of turnovers I think that they're going to make Mason Rudolph make a lot of mistakes in this game. So we feel good. I think we all feel good about the chances, but we're going to make, as we wrap up here, our super wild card weekend picks. So let's go through. I'm just going to start with the schedule. We'll just go through quick and make our picks. Houston, Cleveland, Saturday at 430. Hmm. I got the Browns. I, I think that the Browns will take this one. What do you got, Mike? Uh, Browns are playing out of their minds on defense. They're, I think, making a record level level setting of uh, defense this season. And uh, Joe Flacco has just come on and just is just chucking the ball like it's a YOLO season or something, like he's got nothing left to lose. Uh, the Texans seem pretty formidable at times, and C.J. Stroud is at his moments. But uh, I think uh, I'm going to take the Browns in this one. Uh, Denzel Ward injured his knee in practice today. He's a huge part of what they do over there. Uh, I think as much as I love Joe Flacco, I think eventually uh, he's going to turn him to a pumpkin. C.J. Stroud, ultimately playoffs is about quarterbacks, and I think C.J. Stroud is playing some really good football. So I'm going to go with uh, Houston. Hmm. Surely this game will not be crazy or heartbreaking in any way for one of these teams who tend to play in these in cr- these crazy matchups that Browns tend to be in some crazy games, much like Bill's fans have had to deal with. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I think I this game is – I'm – honestly, this is – well, this isn't the game outside of the Bill's game I'm most excited about, but I'm really excited uh, to see this game kind of play out and how C.J. Stroud uh, does in his first playoff appearance. Did not think that we would – we would get. I was pretty high on Stroud coming into the season. Did not think that they could pull this off. Shout out to Miko Ryans, who is going to be an incredible coach for a very, very long time. Saturday night. Ryan, Miami, NKC. It's supposed to be negative 30 wind chill in KC. One of the coldest games in NFL history, potentially. How do you feel about this game? Do you think that the Dolphins have a chance to go in there and steal one in Arrowhead? Light work. I was at the Bills Patriots playoff game. That's <laughs> um no, but I, you know, I think Miami's a team, I think similar to Buffalo last year. Buffalo kind of felt like they got to the end of the season between everything that went on last season. They just kind of ran out of juice. I feel like Miami, with injuries, with with every, with the way their season's ended, it just kind of feels like they're running out of juice. Kansas City isn't great, but they got a quarterback. They got a. They also have a run game, and I, at that home, um, I'm going Kansas City. All right, Mike. We've mentioned before how the Dolphins have less than stellar success against other playoff teams. Uh, with the exception of the Cowboys, it's their only win. And the Cowboys are basically the paper tigers of the NFC perpetually. Uh, I, as, as mid as the Chiefs have been relative to what they usually do, they're at home and uh, they've beaten, the, I think they've beaten the Dolphins already uh, in the previous matchup this year. Uh, 
yeah, I have the Chiefs taking it, especially with the weather conditions and with uh, how unreliable the Dolphins are in uh, big game situations like this. All right, I'm also on the Chiefs. I'm not picking against Patrick Mahomes at home in the playoffs in this situation, so that's where I'm going to keep it at. We'll get to the Bills game last. Let's Do you think go to going to wear his uh, "I wish it would cold, wish it was colder" shirt. <laughs> that that's this is all on him. The fact that this is what the situation they have to do, and he he asked for it and he got it. That is for sure. Uh, we'll pick the Bills game last. We'll talk about those other paper Tigers you were mentioning, the Green Bay Packers visiting the Dallas Cowboys. It'll be great. Great old footage of some Cowboys, Packers, playoff matchups. I'm sure we'll see the Des Bryant non-catch like three times at least on the broadcast. This should be a fun game. Jordan Love over the last, I don't know if it was six weeks or eight weeks. I can't remember what the stat said. 18 touchdowns, one interception. Jordan Love has really come into his own. The Packers are rolling and made this made this playoff run. Do they have a chance to upset the Cowboys, Mike? Hmm. Well, I'm still going to take the Cowboys. They can beat uh, the mid to lower level teams. It's when they get to the 49ers that uh, I'm going to have <laughs> doubts about the Cowboys' ability to, you know, finally make something happen in the playoffs. So for the time being, I'm taking the Dallas. Ryan. Yeah, Jordan loves a good story. Uh, Green Bay's defense is very bad. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I think Mike McCarthy revenge game uh, handles it. Maybe Green Bay makes it spicy, but – but, uh, I think Dallas is just in a different tier than Green Bay. Green Bay's, I think Green Bay's a year ahead of where they were supposed to be. I'm with that. I think Dallas wins. The Mike McCarthy revenge game, not something I thought of. Great point there. Love the revenge games. Also, the fact that Mike McCarthy apparently may be playing, fighting for his job right now. Like that's been, there's all these talks about how if they don't perform in the playoffs or if they have an embarrassing playoff exit, that he might be out. Um, and, and Shefty like talking about the Belichick thing today and be like, well, there are some playoff teams that might get rid of their coach if things go wrong. I think Philly fits in that mold too. But I think Dallas fits there too. I don't, I, and Jerry's got, you know, Bill Belichick sitting out there waiting. I, I, I don't know if he would be able to pass that up if something bad happens here. So we'll see Mike McCarthy, what he kind of looks like in this pressure situation. Ryan, this is the game I'm most interested in besides the Bills game this weekend. The Detroit Lions finally get a home playoff game. They finally win the NFC North. Everything's nice, rosy, everything's happy. But their most beloved player and most beloved quarterback comes into town, wildcard weekend, Sunday night football. Matt Stafford back in Detroit, uh, the Rams visiting. How do you feel? Do you think that this Rams team, who I did not think was going to make a playoff run this year, I don't think anybody did, but Sean McVay, a great coaching job by him. Do you think they have a chance to beat the uh, to beat Detroit? I think I've been a Detroit doubter. I, I think mm-hmm. Jared Goff, if you put him in situations where he has to go out and be the guy, I think he's going to struggle. Rams are playing some really good football. Sean McVay has really been in his bag. I think Matt Stafford arguably is playing better football than he was on a Super Bowl run right mm-hmm. now. And, you know, I, I'm a. there's always one team who, who kind of has that, that home loss that silences the crowd and everything. I can see, I can see it in my mind. Now I can see a really quiet forward field as Matt Stafford rolls, uh, rolls off the field. I think Rams are hot. Uh, so I'm going with the Rams. Mm. Well, you might let's not sell, sell short. This is a Jared, Jared Goff potential revenge game as well. Ooh. These teams essentially swapped quarterbacks and now they're having to face each other. Um, if Sam Laporta can make it for this game, if he can uh, get over his uh, recent injury, I would say that gives uh, Detroit just a bit of an edge in this game, especially at home. So I'm picking Detroit. I want to pick Detroit to keep my 
to keep our Lake Erie bros alive in the playoffs. That's why I picked the picked the Browns as well. My dream is a my dream scenario is AFC East title Bills Browns NFC title D- Detroit Niners, and we can guarantee one of those Great Lakes teams in there, and maybe they're the Great Lakes Super Bowl. But I think I'm picking the Rams here too. I think that I, it's I'm not a big fan of that Detroit defense. I think that McVeigh is going to be able to dice them up with Cup and Nakua and if it gets, if it, I, I'm just worried. I, I'm with, I'm more in line with you, Ryan. I've not been a big believer in this Detroit team from the beginning of the season. I actually picked the Packers to win the division before the season. And uh, that was more, not as much about as believing in the Packers did believe in the Packers a little bit, but just doubt in this Detroit team. I think they're happy to be here. I think they get, I think they take a loss and Matt Stafford, uh, I guess he gets revenge, but I think Matt. I think Matt Stafford's going to play out of his mind in this game, and is going to be super motivated to go in there and get a win. Philly, Tampa Bay, Ryan. I, I don't even know. I'm picking Philly. I, I think. I think that they've managed to pull this one out. Tampa Bay has been one of the least impressive, one of the least impressive playoff teams in recent memory. But this Philly team does not inspire any confidence either. Uh, what do you What do you think about this game? I do love. I love that Baker Mayfield's been playing well. Uh, he's Baker Mayfield didn't practice today though. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tampa's a feel good story. I think I do like, I, I just, I like the Baker Mayfield angle, but I just think Philly, even with all their issues is too good of a team to lose Tampa Bay in this spot. What about you, Mike? Yeah. Tampa Bay's been a pretty mid team in the very, uh, mid division, uh, <laughs> this particular season they have some nice wins to their credit but uh i mean the eagles should be the better team but they just lost to the cardinals and the giants for crying out loud so i don't honestly i don't have any confidence in them at all right now i'm going to take tampa bay at home actually all right uh bills steelers are we all on the bills guys do we think do either of you think that there's a slip up here this weekend and a wild card weekend loss or we go into the divisional round and we all picked the Chiefs, so it would be a divisional round matchup with Patrick Mahomes finally on the road coming to Orchard Park next week. Bills win, Steelers cover. Oh, yeah, I expect the Steelers to cover ten. I don't think it'll be that big of a blowout, especially with the conditions here. I think it's gonna be an ugly ground and pound game, but the Bills will uh, pull this one out. Maybe like a fourteen. Uh, I don't want to have that score again. Fourteen to ten game. Hopefully on the Bills <laughs> side this particular time. Uh, yeah. So I, I, you you got the under thirty five, Mike. What are you gonna say, Ryan? Oh, I think it's just one of those games where it's you, they maybe Pittsburgh gets an early touchdown, Buffalo gets it back, they get another touchdown, and they're sitting there, and you want them to put it away, and you want them to put it away, and you want them to put it away, and they're hanging around, and finally the Bills get a field goal, or Bills get one more stop and one more pick. But I think it's a game where Pittsburgh. It's never. I feel like it's gonna be a very stressful game. Right? That's my prediction. Yeah, the Bills tend to play down to the competition in recent weeks, even as they've been winning. Um, and we, we've all been saying, well, as soon as they get in the playoffs, they won't have any more down competition to play down to. But the seventh seed is about as down as you can get, and the Steelers are about as mid as you can get in the AFC. So uh, eh, we'll have to see what happens. We'll see. I'm, I'm in line with you guys. I think the I think the Steelers cover this game. I think it's under, I think slightly under. I've got, I've got 20 to 10. I think that the Steelers are going to push right on that. And I think it's, like you said, field goal maybe seals it at the end, but it's going to be – it's going to be a stressful game. And Mike Tomlin, I just, I'm always terrified of Mike Tomlin in these situations. So 
We're all picking a Bills win. Hopefully, we're back here next week previewing a Bills divisional game at home. Uh, but we paid the Bills. So have a good night, folks. Go Bills. See you on Sunday. Go Bills. <laughs>